From your local Houston BMW Center Studios, welcome to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. I'm your host, KG Smooth, joined by the market icon that is... Uncle Thank you, Larry Jones. Good Sunday morning, sir. How are you, man? I am... I'm still glowing at you. Oh, and man. And ready please. to love. Boy. It's so wild. I can't even go anywhere now. Yeah. Well, it's, well not like, it's not like that, but I mean, when I do go places now... People recognize my face. Well, we just finished the uh, uh, Night in Red with the Sam Mac Entertainment Organization. Mm-hmm. I was hemmed up for 45 minutes. I saw that. I saw that. Great night, great entertainment. I said, that's taking, my co-worker. I know him. I'm <laughs> Taking pictures. I mean, they were pulling me everywhere. Yeah. It was a good 45 it's minutes good. of me standing there it's taking good. pictures. Like, you, was, I'm happy for you, man. I'm proud, <laughs> proud of you. Thank you. Wait proud real quick. This one guy was like, man, who are you, man? Man, you got these women going crazy man like i'm like who is this <laughs> i was like yeah but Judge, enough about me he's something special i see he is something <laughs> special and if you've never checked out ready to love please on the own network uh kg has a um a very powerful position in the show and we're just proud of him Oh, thank you for that. But speaking of powerful, we got Lady Elaine. Yeah, Judge oh. Elaine Marshall uh, yep. is on the Public Affairs podcast um, to talk about Houston's municipal courts and the uh, Safe Harbor Court, which assists Houstonians experiencing financial hardship and some medical issues due to COVID. Welcome to the show. How have you been? I have been. Um, I've been fine. I re- I really have. We have. Uh, have had a lot of challenges at the courthouse. We've had to do a lot of different things that we haven't done before, and um, but we've made it. It's kind of like through it all, we've made it through, and we're still we're still standing. As my grandmother says, we're mm-hmm. yet holding. What do you say? But God. But God. <laughs> so, Judge Elaine, walk us through what you and your great organization do for the city of Houston and Harris County. Well, our municipal courts. Um, along with uh, Mayor Turner's complete community. And I must say, he has been such an instrumental person in in letting you do the things that you, if you present a vision to him. And one of the things that we talked about uh, was Safe Harbor. And and that had a lot to do with what happens to people with COVID. Uh, You've heard of people losing their jobs. Uh, the restaurants, the workers in the restaurants, all of, you know, certain people were closed down and those individuals who relied on that as their work, uh, a place of employment, lost it. And so there were financial hardships, there were medical issues, there were temporary residence issues where for a minute um, people were losing housing and now that has kind of subsided because of council's actions. And so Safe Harbor was designed just for just to let the citizens of Houston know that you have some relief. If you find yourself at, at a point where you cannot uh, pay a fine or you cannot do anything that's necessary to get that cloud of a warrant from hanging over you, that's what Safe Harbor, that's what it is. And, and I came up with that name simply because it is, it's a place of refuge. All of our courts, you won't be arrested if you come in, but people tend to get a little nervous when they have warrants, and it's you're, you and I talked about it during amnesty. Mm-hmm. People get a little nervous. They don't want to come in, but Safe Harbor is designed just for that. I have three designated judges 
they are the ones that you talk to at all times. And the good part about this, um, Larry, is that the judges, we're taking it to the streets. We're going to take um, Safe Harbor into the into the communities. You will see us in communities all over Houston because we want to be able to let you come where you live, talk to the judges about what you need to bring to court so that you know once you get there, you've already talked to this judge, you see that same judge, and you talk to that judge about this is what you told me to bring, here it is, I have it, I don't quite have all of those things, what is the next thing I do? Because I think once the citizens of Houston know that we're interested enough to come to you, then maybe they'll come to us. Judge Elaine, can you tell us, and for other municipalities that are listening, around the globe, how significant it is to have the leadership of Mayor Sylvester Turner and the Complete Communities Program in your in your toolbox? It is an absolute phenomenal thing to have. If you have a mayor who supports your the, the city that they represent, he's not just about getting uh, being in city council and being there. You will see Mayor Turner everywhere you see one of his city departments or one of his heads. We've passed out water with him. We've passed out food with him. He supports being able to put Houston back together. And and for us, it's it's important because keep in mind, I lost in my in one of my main courthouses on Lubbock. I lost everything due to Harvey. I lost a, a whole entire basement that still hasn't been uh, replaced. And and so we're still sharing still? space. Yes, and with and now with okay, so we we shared that space, and then COVID came along and said, now you have to social distance for mm. six feet. So that's cut that cut our court space more than in half. Uh, so you went from holding 170 to 200 people in a courtroom now down to about 30, 35. But I can truly tell you that every time I've asked for a little assistance or can I do or what do you think about that, even with things like when, when I started Veterans Court, he is the most supportive mayor that I think any every city should model themselves. If he could clone himself, every city should try to get one of him. Indeed, indeed. Um, the courts, which has been dealing with a lot since COVID, and I have friends who have some pending cases. I have one particular friend who uh, was charged with something way back in uh, September of 2020. Mm-hmm. They keep resetting the court date, and it's and it's been um, like six months since a reset. Um, how what's going on with the operations? Um, well, that, down okay. There? Well, I can tell you this: when um, COVID hit in March of last year, uh, we were able to have in-person hearings right up until about the end of May, and then the Supreme Court says. I'm sorry, judges, you can't hold any in-person hearings. Um, in, in Houston, because of our size, because of the volume of cases that we have, and, and because of all of the constitutional rights that a defendant has, your friend would not want to do a Zoom hearing or a Zoom jury trial where you don't know what the jurors are doing, where you don't know what's going on. You're, you have a right to have a face-to-face confrontation. But in June, they told us, ah, I'm sorry, you can't have any in-person hearings. And thus, 
because of our volume, we had to reset those cases. We were still working where people could come in and walk in on their own, but in terms of like an in-person hearing, a jury trial, we couldn't have those. And right up until April 1st is when we were now allowed to have in-person hearings. And so now we have started back with our jury trials daily because keep in mind, I have eight jury courts that are open on, at the Lubbock location, and on Thursdays and Fridays, I have a jury court that's open uh, at Westside. Mm. So you, they basically shut down the city of Houston in terms of uh, in-person hearings. So getting back into it, how, how are you feeling about that? How comfortable are you with that? I'm, you know, I, I work really hard at, at making sure that the jurors are safe making sure the citizens are safe coming in, making sure that, that the staff is, is safe. We have, a, you know, a plethora of different supplies and those sorts of things, PPEs, everything that's necessary for the citizens who come in. You have to wear a mask in the building at all times. It, um, I've worked really hard, and the staff has, has, I mean, we have all stepped up to the plate to do the things that are necessary to keep everyone safe and, as 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 well as we can. Indeed. You're listening to the Public Affairs Podcast. We are talking to uh, Judge Elaine uh, from the uh, Houston Municipal Courts. Um, Larry, you had, uh, they got the Veterans Court here. Judge, you hit it, and I want to hear more about Veterans Court. What is that? Well, if you think about where veterans are, and I'm an Air Force brat, and veterans Uh, I think Houston has one of the largest veteran populations in the United States. They have a veterans court at the county, and those are for your felons and and, uh, maybe substance abuse and and the higher crimes. When I thought about veterans court, I was trying, my goal was to keep the veterans out of the county system. Mm -hmm. And the reason that I I thought about trying to figure out how to do it was because um, the my, you know, you have a skill that they teach you in the Army, the Air Force, the Marines, wherever you are. And sometimes when you get out of the service, the the skill set that you've learned is not available on the outside. And so as a veteran, you are, are first struggling trying to figure out what I'm going to do. You're so used to structure, and then you have none, and then you don't have a job because your skill set that you're really good at in the Army or the Navy or wherever is not here. And so, you know, that, that feeling of hopelessness starts to kick in for veterans. And, you know, you, you're riding down the street, police officer stops you, everything goes well, you get this red light ticket, and you don't know what to do because you don't have enough means to do it. I'm still trying to support myself, my family, and it goes into warrants. And once it goes into warrants, then you you know your anxiety kicks in and a lot of other things starts to transpire which leads you to just go right on over to a county later on for something different snowball effect so if i can stop it right there and in my veterans court you can show me your dd214 you can show me your your service that you've been there and you come down to veterans court and it's it's once a month on the second Tuesday, and you can tell us, look, I'm trying because I have uh, the veterans, people from the veterans department. So 
the you don't have to go sit at the VA like my dad used to say for four and five hours just to get something done. There's a live person sitting in a courtroom waiting to talk to you and direct you where you need to go. Mm. There's also an organization called Combined Arms, and Combined Arms is the one that we've partnered with also because they have so many different organizations, uh, I mean, sessions for, for the veterans, coping skills, job organizations. They're trying to get the, the veteran back to normal. And then the Beacon Law Firm. And the Beacon Law Firm, if there are some other types of issues that are not municipal, they're there too. And all these people are right here in a courtroom. And a prosecutor is there looking at you, talking to you about your case, talking to you about what can be done. And uh, there's a judge who sits with me with that, and his, the Judge Oswald Scott. We're looking at ways to help you. We can remit fines. We can talk to you about extended community service. But the bottom line is when you leave, you leave better than when you walked in if you're a veteran and we can help. And um, it, it, it is, uh, for me, being an Air Force brat, and my dad is, is now, you know, he's 85, and it is it is still one of those things that, you know, I, it's ingrained in me to give back to veterans. And, and so this court is, is what I designed it to be, and it's doing really well. Nice. Is there a, a website or a phone number where people can uh, access the Veterans Court and its services? And our Veterans Court, uh, you can always go to any municipal court, our okay. www.houstontx.gov forward slash court. And every every uh, link is there for Veterans Court, for Safe Harbor. All of those links are right there. And um, you can contact us, and and we will. Like I said, we're we're here to help. And I can't help if you know if people don't know about it. And I thank you so much for this this venue to 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 at least get people the knowledge that they need about the courts that are that you know have been designed to help. And um, can't thank you enough. Well, no, this is what we do. Yeah. This is, I mean, because there's so much information that needs to be shared that they hide under everything. I think this is amazing with both the Safe Harbor Court and this Veterans Court, especially to our veterans. Like the way that this country just throws them away after they didn't sacrifice their literal lives and their family, right. their livelihood for this country, for them right. to get back and be treated like Dirt. nothing. And, okay. and Judge Elaine, this, 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 this program, this podcast, and the, the, the Radio One family probably has one of the largest listening groups in, being in the veterans. We speak to them. They listen to us uh, more than any other outlet in the city. We have people who are listening to us now across the globe that are serving our country who would honestly appreciate, well, who, who will appreciate this information because they'll get it back to a loved one. And in case you missed this, this is where you can go now for this help. There's a safe harbor. Uh, the, the courts are reopening, and, and, and Judge Elaine is doing an outstanding job. But KG asked a question a minute ago, and I, I too, want to follow up on you and your staff, your mental health, your mm -hmm. physical health. Judge, how are you doing? I am. I am. I'm good. Okay. I, I really am. You know, we all have been going through. Uh, we've had our, our quarantines. We've had some staff members uh, who've contracted, you know, 
different, just different anxiety levels of this this yes, virus. Lord. And and you know we're we're hanging in there. I am. I have. Um, I I think what keeps me going and what motivates me most is that both of my parents are still living, and so uh, my mother stays with me. I uh, running the courts is is has been such a blessing for me uh, as. Uh, Mayor Turner entrusting me to do it. Um, it just makes me get up every day, going, "Okay, yeah," because he entrusted it to me, and I, I in turn, want to do the best job I can for him and the citizens of Houston. So my mental, my mental state, my mental health, my family supports me very, very much. Um, it is, it's, it's just amazing how I think. Um, my family has come together like, okay, you need to slow down. Okay. You need to do this mm-hmm. because at first, you know, you're just going, 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 and you don't think about the, the mental aspect of it. Um, I have a degree in psychology, so I'm supposed to know, except that, you know, you just keep going, but I have just, you know, I have been on this mission to, to do better health wise. And I've been really well, do, you know, doing it well. So I'm 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 doing the best I can, and my thing is supporting my staff. I'm here. I, my staff know I have an open door policy, and uh, just to be able to, I send them out Friday messages because it means a lot to me to stay connected to them. Yeah, that was because I won't know how they're doing if I'm not connected. I was going to ask, have you had a chance to do any fun things to lighten the mood with your staff? In not only the backlog of the courts, but the COVID situation and 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 their family situation. I mean, that's a lot. Yeah, it 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 is a lot. And um, you know, we we used to you know have our wobble sessions, but you know, <laughs> social distancing now is just kind of we're trying to figure out a way to do some of that. But I think we're getting back to to some sense of normalcy, and so you know, I think. Maybe in the next month or so, I you know want to plan. We can't do any outings. We're too you know too big of a department. So we had to cancel our Christmas party, which was you know one of the best options we always had and had fun doing it. So it is um, a lot of virtual things that are going on, just like this podcast. Now you know I'm used right. to sitting across from you with headphones yeah. on, and right. this is you know. So this is kind of new to us, but I want it to go away. And so I just encourage everyone to do what's necessary to bring these numbers down so that we can get back to normal. Well, I did see um, an article from out of the CDC talking about how the social distancing indoors, staying six feet apart indoors, ain't doing nothing. So maybe they may roll that back and we can be closer than six feet while we're <laughs> indoors with each other. But, you know, we'll see. They're so up in the air about this. They don't know. They don't know. What, know. They don't know what guidelines they want to give us. <laughs> <laughs> wear your mask and wash your hands. Your get vaccinated, but still wear your mask and wash your hands. Wash and don't your get, hands. Still do yeah. everything that you was doing before you got vaccinated, but get vaccinated. <laughs> right. Child. <laughs> yeah, that is, Judge Elaine, we, we thank you so much uh, for calling in. Cannot wait to see you in person. Judge, can you give us a, a quick recap for everyone, someone who may have just caught the tail end of this podcast in terms of the courts and where we are in reopening and moving cases forward? Okay, we uh, reopened April 1st for our jury trials and all of our in-court proceedings. So you should be... Um, 
getting uh, getting your your notices. If you have a, a ticket, your notices will start uh, giving you the, the time and date for you to show up. We are in person now with our jury trials. Our jurors are showing up. Uh, we have now had a safe harbor court that opened. It opened actually in the last part of October of last year, and to date, uh, we've helped about. We've handled about maybe 1,200 cases. So people are coming in. Um, if you've missed any of this and you need, if you're a veteran, we have a veterans court that is now operable and it's been in effect for over a year. Uh, visit us, please, at www.houstontx.gov forward slash courts and it will list all of the things that we have available for you uh, in the municipal courts throughout the the city. Judge Elaine, it's always a pleasure to, to, to speak with you and in the near future we will see, we'll put eyes on each other again. Same and here, same here. It'll be absolutely great, but we always want to not only thank you but bless you for the work you're doing and, and build your strength up that you continue and, and the compassion you show for the citizens of Houston who need some help in a very difficult time. KG and I both salute you and thank you for being a part of the podcast. Thank you and KG for everything you do too, because you're the staple. And I, I always look forward to listening and hearing, and I'm going to send my playlist in for my challenges too. Excellent, um, excellent, excellent. I will so, receive them. <laughs> so just thank you all, too, and thank you again for having me. I, I greatly appreciate just the opportunity to, to get it to get a chance to tell the citizens what we're doing. Yeah, thank you, man. Out. Indeed. Judge Elaine Marshall, City of Houston Municipal Courts, we thank you. And for everyone else listening to the podcast, it will continue right after this. From your local Houston BMW Center Studios, welcome back to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. I'm your host, KG Smooth, joined by Uncle Funky Larry Jones. And did you know that last month was a National African American Health Month? I did not. Me neither. I was not aware. I and I'm I'm not ashamed because I enjoy learning, but I was a little disappointed myself that I didn't know that. Yeah, there's so many of them. Like, you know, it's it's hard to keep up. But we have um, one of the frontline warriors uh, for this thing. And one of our all-time great NBA players and former coaches. Yes. We love this man who I think still should be coaching in the league because these young boys (laughs) need him and his, 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 his mentorship. Yeah, go back to the fundamentals of it. Please. Ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) Don Chaney is on. Hi, guys. I'm glad to join you guys. Coach, welcome to the podcast. Great. Indeed. So um, tell us your story, uh, how you were diagnosed with ATTRCM. I cannot, uh, I'm not going to even try to (laughs) to (laughs) transthyretin. I'll pronounce it for you. Yeah, what is that? Well, since April is National Minority Health Month, I've been working with Pfizer on the Your Heart's Message campaign mm. to raise awareness of a serious health condition that disproportionately affects the black community. At age 73, I was diagnosed with a disease called transthyretin amyloid cardiomyopathy, or for short, ATTRCM. It's a very rare but life-threatening disease that can lead to heart failure. And actually, there are two types of this disease, the wild type and the hereditary type. 
I have the hereditary form, which is inherited from a relative through a gene mutation. ATTRCM is found in 3 to 4% of black people. The scary part of it all is that there's a low awareness of this disease, and the symptoms can often be overlooked. It took me actually 10 years to get the right diagnosis. Mm. Mm. Coach, what were the, or what are the symptoms, or how did you know? Yeah. All right, I'll tell you what happened with me. I had been experiencing frequent heart-related symptoms for a few years, like fatigue, severe palpitations, and shortness of breath. My mom and grandmother both passed away from heart failure. You know, so naturally I was concerned. Mm. And the scary part, I was always, I've always kept myself in good condition. So, and the, the, you know, I, the red flag popped up right away. I underwent a lot of test procedures to find out what was going on, which is how I finally found out that I had heart failure, which is kind of shocking to me also. My cardiologist, of course, ran more tests, but the cause of my heart failure was still unclear. What my cardiologist didn't know yet was that I actually had this rare heart condition, ATTRCM. You know, looking back a little bit, for about 10 years, I had also suffered from carpal tunnel syndrome, which is a numbness, pain, and tingling in my fingers, knee pain, and swelling in my lower legs and ankles. So through genetic testing and counseling, I found out the correct diagnosis. And I, you know, I only wish that had I known those symptoms, and like many black people, especially in my family, we are reluctant to go to doctors, and when we get there, we're reluctant to tell them all the symptoms and things like that. Had I mentioned all those symptoms, because I thought those symptoms were related to my time on the basketball court, you know, all the injuries that I've had and the bumps and bruises, and um, I didn't know that they were related to this particular disease. So had I gone in and, and, and explained everything to him sooner, I probably would have gotten a, uh, an earlier diagnosis. Coach, that was going to lead me to our next question. You played your entire career with this? Basically, well, you know, I, 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 put, in, I put in 12 years. Yeah. So, you know, I, I played in a great, a great part of it. You know, uh, I would say probably mid part of my career on. Uh, you know, because as an athlete, you know, you're always falling, you're always twisting your ankles, right, right. Uh, and you're always playing hurt uh, and, and swelling and things like that. So that comes naturally from it for, for an athlete. Uh, you always get hit and elbowed, and you're always sore, and I'm falling a lot on my wrist. I had, I bet, 10 to 15 x-rays on my wrist during my duration as, as an NBA player. So naturally, I thought that was a result of all the falling and, 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 and jamming my wrist and things like that. So I never thought to connect the two dots. Right, right. And, and, and that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So here we are, Don. We're face-to-face with the situation. Uh, you have a history of heart disease. Mm-hmm. You're now facing these complications. You find out what it is. What medicine and what group did you go to to get the relief you needed to live a healthier life? Or the, let me rephrase that, improve the quality of life that you had. Well, I, I'll give you the whole process. You know, okay. I, I had been experiencing frequent heart-related symptoms, you know, uh, for a few years, like fatigue, severe palpitations, shortness of breath. And, you know, my mom and grandmother both passed away from heart failure. So, you know, I was concerned. I was naturally concerned. So what led to me to this was that... Uh, my doctor did further tests, and the only way you can find out uh, about this particular disease is through genetic testing. Hmm. So he, we, we went through genetic testing and found out uh, that I had this rare disease. And um, when I found out that I had the hereditary type, 
uh, really got scary because uh, the only way you can find out you have this is through genetic testing, and you can pass this disease uh, is because it's inherited. You can pass it on to your children, and your brothers and sisters also may have, have inherited it. So my biggest objective from this point on is, you know, I had to speak to my three adult children, my sisters and my brothers, about getting genetic testing done to see if they also had this gene mutation. So some of them have been tested and others have not. You know, and, and, and I'm sure you have family, so you know how difficult that is getting everybody uh, to oh, go no, in no, and have coach, this simple test done. Coach, coach, you know? coach, coach, we come uh-huh. from the same era. <laughs> Stuff we never talked about. No. Things no. we never, for whatever craziness that is. I'm like, why are we not talking about this? Exactly, exactly. No one and you know, as a community, especially a black community, we don't we don't discuss a lot of our our things with family and definitely don't discuss it with doctors. So we have we keep all those things to ourselves. So when I was confronted and went to the doctor, naturally I held back a lot. Uh and, and uh, I wish I hadn't taken my wife with me because she's been a great caregiver. I mean, she takes a pad and she 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 makes sure some of the things I miss she covers. So yes, the doctor kind of got an idea of what I was going through. Um, but I, I spoke with my, my, my siblings, as I mentioned, you know, and my children. And I've had a couple of them tested. My son is a stubborn one. He's in great shape. And uh, he feels he has no symptoms. And the disease itself sometimes hides to the point where you may have uh, the gene mutation, but you may not have the symptoms. So uh, he's that type, well, you know, I I feel okay, so I'm not going to get tested right now. So it's an ongoing thing with me, and I I just hope that uh, I can get them in so that uh, not only they can get tested, but also for their children's sake. So, Coach Don Cheney, when did you decide to pick up the banner and partner with Pfizer and start getting the word out? Well, it's, it, when I found out that this particular disease, uh, like many other people, I, I didn't know anything about the disease, and even some doctors are totally unfamiliar with the, the disease itself. So I, I didn't know the signs or symptoms. And after speaking with my cardiologist, I learned that some of the symptoms of ATTR can mimic uh, symptoms of a heart failure. While mm-hmm. other, so in my case and, and many others, I still learned an incorrect diagnosis uh, you know, can, can lead to a failure of, of getting everything done. So I, I just went on a campaign since so few people knew about it. Even I was so surprised a lot of doctors were not aware of this disease. So I said, it's, it is, uh, and I lucked out too. I partnered with Pfizer, and um, we really uh, are trying to spread the word, you know, out of how serious this disease is and how um, uh, uh getting the appropriate diagnosis, and the sooner you get that, the more you can get an opportunity to manage the disease itself. Indeed. Yeah, uh, heart disease, number one in the black community, as you mentioned oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. earlier. I Myself, I have congenial heart disease. I had uh-huh. open heart surgery when I was five years old. Um, wow. Yeah. And so I wasn't able to play any sports. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't able to do anything growing up and I kind of had yeah. a resentment toward that, but I turned it uh, to the arts and all of that. So this, this is just great that you are teaming up with Pfizer for the, uh, your heart's message. Um, because we, we always go towards, you know, uh, diabetes, yes. high blood pressure, yes, exactly. know, that, but heart exactly. disease is, you know, the number one thing, yes, it is. um, that kills us. So with your diagnosis, like how long did that take 
for how many second, third, fourth, fifth, mm. sixth, seventh, ninth oh, opinions? Many, many, many visits, and uh, I found out two years ago that I had the disease. That's why I want, I want to really mention this. If you are African-American and experiencing any of those unresolved symptoms or have a family history of cardiac issues and have been diagnosed with heart failure, uh, to have a heart-to-heart talk with your doctor. You know, we always hold back, as we mentioned earlier. So since ATTR is so rare, and some doctors may not even know that it affects African-Americans at a disproportionate risk, it's so important to explain all your symptoms and to get an appropriate diagnosis. And you can also, you can also this is important as well, you can also visit yourhorsemessagewithdon.com to hear my story of being diagnosed and living with the hereditary ATTRCM, as well as a custom doctor discussion guide to help patients prepare to talk to their doctors about ATTRCM. Because sometimes we go in there and we don't know how to explain things to our doctors. We sort of close our mouth and not say anything. So the only way to get the diagnosis is to make sure that you know how to do it and explain all the symptoms. Mm-hmm. So there, there is a specific test that you're, you're, you're. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. And you, then uh, you can have very types, simple right? blood tests and a saliva test oh, uh, right. to determine. Yes. Uh, you know, you, you can, uh, and you got to make sure you mention the word genetic testing because uh, one of my, one of my, uh, my, um, actually my sister went in, and she mentioned it to this doctor who wasn't familiar with the disease, and she just had a, a blood work done, and naturally they're not going to pick that up out of that. So you have to do genetic testing where they're actually looking for this particular disease. This is groundbreaking and good information, Don, because as you said, it mimics so many other yeah. things. We, 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 we won't know. Recognize yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. You're listening no. to the Public Affairs Podcast. Uh, we're talking to Coach Don Chaney, who has teamed up with Pfizer for the Your Heart's Message campaign to educate others about ATTRCM. And um, I I had never even heard yeah. of this. And and then there are two types of ATTRCM, correct? Yes, you, you have the wild type and you have the hereditary type. And the, her- the her- hereditary type is passed down, you know, through a gene mutation. So that's, uh, and, and that, that's scary because uh, you can just go from family member to family member and uh, you're wondering why everybody uh, have the symptoms of, of, of heart disease and heart failure. And, uh, you know, <laughs> you got to make sure you know where it's coming from. So, so Coach, in your research, is this mm-hmm. just prone to the African-American community or is this, can, can anyone in any walk of life have this and not know it? Well, older people, especially older white People have the wild type, okay, and that happens in an older age usually. Uh, but the hereditary type, the highest percentage is in African Americans. That's one of the reasons why I'm pushing this issue, mm, simply yeah. because you know we we actually <laughs> we're just not familiar with the disease itself or the symptoms, you know, and uh, you know we, we we're getting sick and and just passing off mm-hmm. as maybe just heart related symptoms, and this particular disease can really shorten your life. Man, there's a lot and, of and, and the stress of coaching in the league didn't uh-huh. didn't add on to any of this. Yes, it did, and that's one of the reasons why, mm. I, 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 to make a long story short, I was in uh, Phoenix. That's when I first found out that something was wrong. But I, 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 even as, as a coach, I kept in good shape. I, I jogged every single day, mm-hmm. and I felt I was in as good a shape as, as some of the players. 
And uh, I, I went in right prior to the game. I went to see the doctor there. My heart was racing, had palpitations and everything. And then that's the thing. That was, that was the alarm for me to get checked out, and that's where it started from that point on. And uh, so we, we were going through different things until we finally got, into, got to the point where uh, it was found out that I had the hereditary ATTRCM. So mm-hmm. just as a side note, off script, Coach, are you available? To coach in the league and no, no. Okay. I, I mean, I can. Right. Oh, here's the deal about coaching. <laughs> see, see, we're gonna go there, okay? I I love the game. I think the game was changed once I stopped playing mm-hmm. to an entertainment type game. Mm-hmm. We're at a three point shot yeah. and things like that. Stand on the perimeter. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. Uh, the players today are so much more talented than when I played. Uh, you have seven footers who can go behind the bag, great mm-hmm. passes, shoot the three point shot. But I'm I'm from the old school. I like a little post up game from time to time <laughs> to force defenses to defend it. You know, yeah. the way it is now, it gets a little boring. You know, the ball comes up, one pass, three point shot. You know, right. I I don't know. I uh, I don't know if I can sit there and watch that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you 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 came up under some of the greats. Can you give us a name of your favorite mentors and guys you played with or against? Well, I, I have so many. I mean, I have so many. Uh, Tommy Heisen was really uh, uh, very instrumental uh, with me. Uh, I broke in with Scotty Robinson as a coach. Ray Arbeck, I broke in with him as a, as a coach as well. But guys like Bill Russell, Sam Jones, uh, and players, I mean, I, had, I was fortunate enough to play against and with some great players. I hit all the big centers. Kareem, Elvin Hayes, who was really was a great player. Wow. Uh, I, I, Moses Malone. Mm-hmm. I played with all those guys. So uh, Kareem Jabbar was one of the greatest centers I've seen in terms of low post area. Uh, Elvin Hayes was fantastic. Great shot mm-hmm. blocker. Great shooter. Um, but I played with so many great players. And Real Russell was such a professional um, until I, I, I gained a little bit of knowledge from each one of those people and each one of those experiences. So it helped me as a player and also helped me in my later years as a coach. <laughs> yeah. and, and, Coach, we, we couldn't have you on with that stature of those great years you had in Boston and coaching here with the Rockets. And it's, mm-hmm. just, uh, it's just a pleasure to have a chance to speak with you and with this eye-opening information about yeah. the heart. Yeah. Well, thank you, and I, I just hope that uh, I'm, I'm glad you guys uh, uh, are open to this because uh, the timing is right. As you mentioned, this is a great month for it, but you can also pass it on to your family members uh, you know, and to your friends. I, I think it's just very important for us, especially as, as African Americans, to, to really be aware of what's happening uh, to us. Indeed, indeed, and we're glad that to have a voice like yours yes. uh, because <laughs> the enemy is trying to kill us off and they are doing it every <laughs> so, which so way <laughs> that they can. So much so to your point. So um, some of the heart related uh, symptoms for ATTRCM will be to, to pay attention. If you have an irregular heartbeat, yes. if you are fatigued, yes. um, short of breath, yes, and palpitations, uh, palpitations, and uh, and I also yes. see a uh, swelling in your lower legs Ankles and feet. Yes, definitely, mm-hmm. uh, knees and carpal tunnel syndrome, especially. You know, yeah, and I see that wrist, too. Yeah, carpal tunnel, uh, bilateral carpal tunnel syndrome, um, pain and numbness 
in your yes. lower back or legs. Yes. And eye yes. disorders such as glaucoma. Yes. Right. Hmm. It's, it's an awful disease because mm. it attaches itself to not only your heart and organs, but to your nerves and the other tissues. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it's terrible. It's a terrible disease. And the, 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 the thing that you can maintain, that's where they are now through um, maintenance and counseling, but there's really no cure for it right now. Mm. There's no cure for the disease because it's so rare and it's really, a lot of people are not very familiar with it. You know, so the more we can pass that word on and get it out there and get the message out there, the better. No, I'm, I'm calling my cardiologist today. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the website is yourheartsmessage.com slash Don to see. No, it's it's yourheartsmessagewithdon.com. Yourheartsmessagewithdon.com. Dot com. Yourheartsmessagewithdon.com. Dot com, correct. Get Coach Cheney's uh, story and all of the great things that he uh is doing I know well since uh, Uncle Funky got to ask you about you know all of the grace that you got to play <laughs> with I am anxious to know your thoughts on uh today's uh NBA stars like who do you um who do you keep an eye on or or think has a great development for the game I, I you know what I I still like LeBron James and that gang out there mm-hmm. I I just I I like the way they play I like Utah the way they play mm-hmm. uh, Golden State is exciting and a young team like Philadelphia, yeah. uh, New York's coming on. They're playing better. Uh, but the good thing about the new NBA, and that's what I call it, the new NBA, mm-hmm. is that there's a, there's a host of, of teams out there could, that, that have, the, they, they have the potential to win a championship. So, you know, naturally, you, in the old days, you mentioned four or five teams and say, well, the Celtics will be there, the Lakers will be there. But... Uh, now these guys are so talented. Anybody, if they get a run toward the end, mm-hmm. can win it. That's why I feel so bad about the Rockets. You know, they were yeah. on the brink the last couple of years of being a champion. You yeah. know, and overnight yep. the, the team has changed to a lottery team. <laughs> yep, yep, and, and that's what's scary. It's amazing. It is. It's. it's uh, oof. We. Yeah. We're gonna. We're gonna suffer for <laughs> a couple of years in Houston sports. I hate to say it, but that's that's just the reality of it. Yeah. Yeah, everybody goes through it, but what scares me is that, you know, for years we wanted to get there, and, you know, we had some championships, mm-hmm. but, you know, we were, at, we were on the brink of having another one because we had the talent to do it, and everything just exploded. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess the draft is there, and we got to try to work through the draft and some trades to get back up there. Get back up, yeah. Get back up, yeah. indeed. Mm-hmm. Well, Coach Don Chaney, we appreciate your time, sir. We always want to tell our guests, uh, we, we want to bless you for your transparency. We thank you for coming forward with this information on things that we never knew existed. And I know uh, on behalf of KG and myself that we're going to help save some lives today and, and, and at least have a person. A person will now know what this shortness of breath is or yes. what this symptom is that I can't seem to get rid of uh, by any other means by going in and taking either simple blood test or saliva test. Correct. That's mm-hmm. just excellent information, sir. So thank you. Thank you for being on the podcast. And I, I want to thank you guys for entertaining me. And I, I, I love to ride in my car and listen to you. It's in fact, you guys are great. You, you make sir. my day all the time. So I, I, one day we'll meet, but I, 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 love, I love your voices. You guys thank are good. You. I love well, what you're doing. We appreciate you for being a, a passionate Magic 102.1. Mm, yeah, gratitude. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank Indeed. you.
All right, my friends, thank you for being a part of the podcast. On behalf of KG Smooth, I'm Uncle Funky Larry Jones. And as always, we like to say thank you to the men and women in our military overseas who are serving a great country and listening to their hometown radio station. We will speak to you next Sunday. God bless.